But I hope everybody had a good Christmas. And welcome here for our last Sunday of 2023. I hope you were able to relax a bit between Christmas and New Year's. I recall as a boy, when I was younger, just a little preteen, uh, the strongest emotion I would feel between Christmas and New Year's was deflated. I just feel like, almost like it was this anticlimactic feeling of feeling deflated. The, the, the words that would go through my mind uh, were probably something like, is that it? And it was kind of like the Charlie Brown kind of thing, but, but not the Charlie Brown thing, because the Charlie Brown kind of thing, when he asks, is that it? He's asking in a philosophical sense, is that all there is to Christmas? All this gift giving and stuff. But for me, it was much worse. For me, when I said, is that it, it was ungrateful. I was just this selfish kid that was ungrateful and thinking, come on, is that it? All the buildup before Christmas left the week between Christmas and New Year feeling anticlimactic. But when I was older and I met Jesus, I began to appreciate that Christmas is a focus on the ultimate act of giving as God gave Jesus his son for us. And now as a pastor, I always find this, this time in between Christmas and New Year's a little challenging. What, what do you preach on? Do you, do you stick with that theme of Christmas, which we should never forget all year round, and just never lose the sense of awe at God being with us? Or do we turn to the theme of the new year with a sense of anticipation and expectation? What is God wanting to do in 2024. This year I plan to do a little bit of both and to let Christmas clarify our focus for 2024. I don't ever want to lose my sense of awe regarding what Jesus did when he came as a man to be our savior, but nor do I want to lose a sense of anticipations for the purposes for which he saved me and for which he saved each one of us. We want to enter 2024 with anticipation of, God, what are your purposes for me in this coming year? So this morning I want to read a statement from the Christmas story, but I want to read it with 2024 in mind, rather than looking back and thinking of Christmas as I read this statement. It's a statement made by the Virgin Mary that she made after God we okay here? I got a loose connection. That she made after God had chosen her to bear God's son. In the middle of a declaration that Mary made, she said this, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, I don't want to rip that verse out of context and forget about the fact that it was made, that statement was made as a part of a larger declaration celebrating God's saving plan to save the human race. Mary was exalting Jesus. She was, she was exalting God for choosing someone as lowly as her to be a part of God's plan to rescue his people. But as I consider how God's ways are revealed in God's interactions with people all through the Bible, many people in the Bible, we could say that lots of characters in the Bible could have said, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. 
Many people could have said that. In fact, as I look around this room, I believe there are people in this room who could easily look back on 2023 and even beyond past 2023 and say, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Amen? Can we not say that? We don't need to just think of that as a part of the Christmas story. That is a statement we make about life itself, our life with Jesus. So I would like to end 2023 and begin 2024 by saying, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. That statement looks back with gratitude, and it looks forward with anticipation. He who is mighty has done great things for me, looks back with gratitude on what God has done. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That's looking forward to how God will continue to extend mercy. Now, I try to make a habit of looking back at the great things God has done in Gateway East. God has done a lot of great things in Gateway East since we began about 18 months ago. June 2022. In fact, we started in an apartment basement, a little room in a basement in which somebody had to forest or somebody had to stay upstairs to make sure people could get in because the apartment had a locked door. And if we just left the nobody in the foyer, in fact, there were people who walked away because they came too late after the person in the foyer had gone downstairs to join the worship and they'd come to the door late and bang on the door and ah, they'd have to go home because... Nobody was there to let them in. Back in those days, we started with 25 people, seven of whom were children, and now look at us today. God has given us many blessings since that time. Then at just the right time, he gave us this place in which we could meet as we grew as a church. And he's not only grown us as a church, he's grown individuals. The individuals in this church have grown. We've baptized so many people. We've, in, in just this few months that we've been around, we've baptized 14 people, eight of whom have been teenagers or children. That's incredible. That's amazing to me. In the midst of all that, I remember in the days of meeting in that basement, we had no signs the website was not up to date on where we could meet. Francis, you remember when you and your family went to Panet Road and banged on the door on that cold January day? Nobody was there. You looked on the website. That's where we were supposed to be, but we weren't there. But Francis found his way here because God connected us to find a way. Jeannie had a similar experience. Jeannie, where are you right now? Jeannie, why don't you come on over here? I'm going to talk to Jeannie about what her experience coming to Gateway was. We'll have to be brief, but we can give a, a few details of the story. Now, Jeannie, when you first came to Canada, where were you coming from? Jeannie, where did you come from when you came to Canada? Both use both mics. Uh, I came from uh, uh Democratic of Congo, Republic Democratic of Congo, uh, but I passed by Swaziland, Swatini. So when you say you passed by Swaziland, why did you leave the Congo and go to Swaziland? Uh, I was uh, one of the one of the member opposite member from the election, so there was some 
traveled there and uh, we were targeted uh, about that because of uh, the fight. So I needed to run to save my life. So in other words, there was an election in Congo. Jeannie was supporting the party that lost. And when the person who was elected uh, was finally in power, he decided to, well, to put people's lives in danger who had been supporting the person who lost, right? So you had to flee to Swaziland. It was Swaziland very welcoming to you? Uh, before, yes, uh, like uh, two months before it was good, but, but after that it was getting worse. It was not good because of uh, they are close to South Africa and uh, it was xenophobic things that were going on, they were killing people. So Swaziland, uh, that is Eswatini, was not doing the same thing like uh, South Africa killing people, uh, but they were doing it in a silenced way. So every foreigner was not allowed to work. Uh, so it was very bad. So the people, many people were going to Eswatini, which used to be Swaziland, and they, the people who had, were newcomers to Eswatini, Swaziland, we're not feeling safe because the people are starting to feel jealous of all these newcomers taking jobs. And so they weren't allowing the newcomers to take jobs. In fact, in South Africa, people were even being killed who were taking the South African jobs. So in other words, you had no future in Eswatini. And if you, what, why didn't you just apply to be a refugee? Uh, I did that uh, because uh, there they didn't want even uh, to have a citizenship, so it was not allowed. So you couldn't remain as a refugee there, and if Jeannie applied to be a refugee somewhere else, it would have taken probably a couple years to process the claim to be a refugee. Meanwhile, in Eswatini, there's no, there's no jobs, there's no way to live. Yeah. That's accurate? Was, yes. So Jeannie is one of those rare people who had to leave a country as an asylum seeker. She's not a refugee. If a refugee comes to Canada, they have an income. If they're sponsored by a church, the church provides the income. If they're sponsored by the government, the government provides an income. If somebody comes on a visitor visa or a student visa, well, they come of their own choosing. But Jeannie came because literally her life was in danger in one country and she was unable to even feed herself in the country she fled to. Is that, that's correct? Yes. That's so true. you came here as an asylum seeker? Yes. So how did you find Gateway once you got here? Wow, this is... Uh... Briefly. <laughs> okay, uh, when, uh, before, before, before I arrived here, so we pray with my family, my sisters, I lost my parents, both of them, so I have just sisters, we are six in the family, uh, six, uh, five girls and one boy, so we pray in the family, and then they said to me, the first thing when you're there, you don't have a family, but your family is a church, you must find a church, and then you can live in and pray there. So when I arrived here, uh, I start uh, searching uh, online. So I found Gateway, Gateway East, uh, Gateway and Panet. So it was so close because I was living in Pine Hill apartment. And then I say, okay, let me go and visit. Uh, I walked down there and then I found out that uh, Gateway, uh, 
they have uh, moved away, changed the place. So it was like, uh, I was so disappointed because uh, I really, I was touched. I was already connected with the, the name and the church. So I went back, I told my family that the church that we have prayed for, that we found, uh, there are no more there. And then they said, no, we need to keep, keep of searching. Go to the website, call down, search for any name or number, whatever it is, just find something. So I was looking, searching, and then I found uh, I found Pastor Ken's number, uh, email address and name. So I just wrote a very long story <laughs> about myself. And then uh, in a few seconds, I received my, my reply. He replied to my email. Second. So, yeah. Didn't take, it didn't take a minute. Wow. It was just like a tic-tac like that. So when I told my family and I sent, I took a picture of pastor's answer. I sent to my family. They just said to me, this is God. Jenny, this is God. And that is your church. And my first time to, to the church, uh, it was just amazing. When God is before you, showing you the way, it's just amazing. I walk in the church that day. What I felt, it was just something else. It was something else. I really felt home, and everybody that I talked to that day, it was like the way angels, angels that are around me, so amazing. Oh, wow. Well, bless you, Jeannie. God has brought Jeannie to Gateway. A woman who had no family has been given a family. And as an asylum seeker, she has no way of providing for herself until she's able to get a job. She just recently got a job but she now needs an apartment. She's moving into an apartment on February 1st, and at the end of this month, we're gonna have a little shower for Jeannie to help her get settled in Winnipeg. Amen. We'll have more details to that regarding that to come. Well, Jeannie, you are a clear example of how God has been growing Gateway, bringing people from the neighborhood, despite the fact that we had no signs and didn't have accurate information on the website. But as we look back at the great things he who is mighty has done, it's important not to become, and I stress this, it's important not to become more focused on the growth of the church than on the involvement of Jesus in growing the church. I don't know if you caught the difference there. As we consider Gateway's history, let's make sure we don't make it a history of a people to whom Christ came rather than a history of the coming of Christ to a people like ourselves. Do you hear the difference? Because the difference between the two is profound. A history of the coming of Christ to a people is far more Christ-centered than the history of a people to whom Christ came. One of them stresses the people, one of them stresses Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, understood this. 
She never would have wanted to be at the center of church history the way she's become in some circles. Mary said, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. She didn't say, I have experienced great things from God. Because Mary was focused on God, not on herself. And I want Gateway to be focused on Jesus Christ as the center of all we do. And as we grow, let's not be focused on the people God has drawn even though we're very, very excited at who God is drawing. But let's be excited at the God who is drawing people to be a part of Gateway East. Amen? Mary began her declaration by saying, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And then she quickly made it clear that her focus is on a mighty and holy and merciful God who had chosen her, not because she was deserving, but because of who God was. Mary saw herself as lowly and insignificant. She was a girl of low social status, so poor that Mary and Joseph just brought two pigeons to dedicate Jesus, to, which was an allowance for the poor. And just like Mary, none of us in this room have ever done anything to deserve being chosen by God. But God chooses us anyway. And you can be sure that whatever your status, whatever your age, he who is mighty wants to do great things for you this year in 2024. I wonder about what God has already done and what God wants to do in 2024. And as we do, as we wonder about that, let's not focus on circumstances because they can be so unreliable. Let's not focus on feelings because they can be so variable. And let's not even focus on logic or reasoning things through because Often, they can limit our faith in the God who can do the impossible, as we sang about this morning. Let's focus on the one who can do the impossible, the one who does beyond what we ask or imagine. And as Mary focused on God, she emphasized that he's mighty, he's holy, and he's merciful. So this morning, we're going to focus on those three things. And what I want to do is I focus. I don't want to just unpack the text. I want to prophesy what these three themes mean for Gateway East in 2024. The word mighty in the original translation, the Bible's, this passage was originally written in Greek, uh, was that the, the word dynatos. Dynatos was the word translated mighty. And that's where we get the word dynamite from. It's a word that speaks of power. And that's what God is talking about here when he says he who is mighty has done great things. Centuries before the Christmas story, a songwriter in the Bible said, Great is the Lord and mighty in power. King David wrote, O Lord, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The prophet Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Then eventually Jesus echoed that when he said, With man it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. That's just a tiny little taste of verses in the Bible that speak of how how mighty God is. As Gateway East got into its second year, Around the time, the summertime, David Fadiman had a prophetic word that God is wanting to do a new thing in Gateway East. 
We're not just going to sort of get into a, a, a rut and just kind of f- find ourselves getting comfortable in that rut and say, let's just, let's just keep, keep doing things this way. But God is wanting to do something new. And I believe in 2024, the God who is mighty is going to do something new in our midst. And I don't know what that is. David doesn't know what that is. God hasn't clarified for David what God was meaning. But I believe it's a prophetic word for us in 2024 that we are to expect God to do a new thing. But the thing about prophetic words is you can't just passively sit back and wait for them to happen. If you know anything about how the Bible treats prophetic words, we're encouraged to pray into them and not just passively sit back and say, okay, let's see what God does. We're meant to pray. Even Daniel, who when he found the prophecy in Jeremiah that the people of Israel would be delivered after 70 years in exile, he didn't just say, oh, great, good, that's good. No, he prayed and he had to fight in prayer. He had to battle in prayer because we live in a battle zone and we have a spiritual enemy who wants to resist the plans of God. But in that war, we serve a God who is mighty, who's much, much greater than the enemy who wants to resist his plans. And he encourages us to partner with him in prayer, to join him and and asking for what he wants to do. And when we pray, something always happens. So after David shared what he was sensing about this new thing, I began to pray into Isaiah 43, verse 19. In fact, I've memorized it. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is wanting to do a new thing. And I'm praying, God, would you make a road in a wilderness? The wilderness, if somebody's life feels like a wilderness, make a road. If someone's life feels like a desert, make rivers flow in this neighborhood, in our lives, in our children's lives, of those who have walked away from Christ. Let rivers of life flow. God is going to do a new thing. I don't know exactly what that'll look like, but I know that God is mighty and he's able to fulfill that word. Now, God is holy. When Mary declared holy is his name, in the Bible, a name means something more than just an identity marker. A name is in reference to the whole of who someone is. When, when we say his name is holy, what we're saying is God is holy. So, That's not too popular a thought these days, 2023, 24. And these days, people don't like talking about the holiness of God. They want to live their own life the way they choose to live it. They have preferences regarding morality and regarding ethics. And they live as they please, not as God teaches us to live. And they like hearing more about God's love than about God's holiness. And although... You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, is understandably, that's understandably a very popular verse. It's also extremely important for us to remember that God says in his word, be holy, for I am holy. That statement is so challenging that I've heard Christians quote it, be holy, for I am holy, as if it means because we're in Christ, we have the holiness of Christ, and therefore we are holy as he is holy. But that's not what the verse means. The verse isn't talking about the imparted 
holiness of Christ being imparted to us. If you read the whole verse, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, which is something what we see happening in our day and age. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. This isn't just talking about being in a position of holiness before God. It's talking about a practice of holiness, conduct. You shall be holy for I am holy. Last month, I went on a spiritual retreat for about six days. I'd, I'd never done a spiritual retreat for that long before. I'd done two, three-day retreats at you know, different quiet places I could get away. This time, I went away for six days. And I was seeking the Lord regarding the year ahead for me personally. God spoke to me in powerful ways on this retreat. But one of the key themes that came up in those six days was living a surrendered life. Surrendered to Jesus. As I pondered that, I was reading in my Bible one morning, wondering what is God meaning? What is he asking of me? And I got to the story of Mary of Bethany. This is different than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary of Bethany breaking the vial of perfume over Jesus and anointing him, basically for burial, though she didn't know it. And, but it was an act of devotion on Mary's part. It was a sacrificial act of devotion because that perfume that she broke was worth a year's wages. Can you imagine taking a year's wages and just pouring it out to anoint Jesus? That's what Mary was doing. In fact, it was so audacious that there were people there, Jesus' own disciples, who rebuked her and said, what is she doing? What is she? And Jesus said, leave her alone. And he rebuked those who were rebuking her. He said, she's done this for a good reason. And he explained. Now that act of devotion, that's not something all of us can do every day. How many of us are prepared to express an act of devotion that costs us, costs us a year's wages every day? Uh, that's kind of impractical. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me about devotion, about being surrendered the way Mary of Bethany was so surrendered to you that she would make such a sacrifice in her worship of you. And I felt the Lord say to me that, no, I don't expect you to give a year's wages, but you can give me your time. Lately, the time you've been giving me has been rather short when, we've been, when I've been having devotional time with God. And I felt the Lord say, why don't you grow the amount of time you're giving to me? Now, giving our time can be a very meaningful expression of relationship. What if every time I wanted to spend quality time with my wife Fiona, because I wanted our relationship to grow and I wanted to express my devotion to her, I said, I've got five or ten minutes and then I've got to go. And I've got a checklist. And my che I want to make sure I get these things done on my checklist. Ask her about her day. Check. Hold her hand. Expresses devotion. Check. Listen carefully to what she says. Oh, that's very nice. Check. Give her a nice hug at the end. Check. Now, do you think Fiona's going to feel loved by that? Do you think that's going to, do you think it's a meaningful expression of devotion? Because at the end of that 10 minutes, I say, oh, that's 10 minutes. I got to go. Busy day. Got lots to do. 
see you tomorrow. How is she going to feel? That's probably not going to result in a quality relationship. And I need marriage counseling if I continue doing that too long. But nor would I expect to have a quality relationship with God if all I offer him is five to ten hurried minutes in a busy day with a busy schedule. So as I pondered what it meant to live a more surrendered life, I felt God calling me to give a little more time. Unhurried time. So I have taken a page out of David Fadiman's sermon that he preached in November on prayer, and I have added prayer to my day timer. David said, be specific, be intentional about prayer so that you actually make it a part of your schedule, not just something that might happen. So if you look at my daytimer right now, if you open my calendar, you'll see spots marked for prayer, for devotional time with God. That's what I call it, devotional time with God. And I've increased the amount of time I allow for that. Perhaps I've increased it so much that there will be people who want to rebuke me for not being available the way they want me to be available, the way the disciples rebuked Mary. That's possible. But not everybody has equal amounts of flexibility regarding time. And so perhaps you would benefit from doing this as well so that you could grow in maturity and character and holiness because I believe that all of us who follow Jesus want to grow in maturity and character and holiness. We don't want to stay stuck in our bad habits. We don't want to be stuck with weak character, making disappointing choices every day. But we know we can't change without God's help. And the only way to grow more holy and to grow in character, more surrendered to Jesus, is to seek the one who has the power to help us to grow, Jesus. And if you want to do that, if you want to grow in character, if you want to grow in holiness, if you want to be more surrendered to Jesus, I'm going to recommend three simple things that you can do. Make a note of these three simple things. Add time with Jesus to your calendar. Write it down. If I'm going to meet with one of you in this room, and I've met with many of you in this room, I write it in my calendar. You're there. If I'm going to meet with, with Kyle on Monday at 10, I put it in my calendar so that I don't forget. Because otherwise I get this phone call from Kyle at 10 after 10 saying, Hey, Ken, where are you? That's happened to me. I don't want God to be calling me and saying, Hey, Ken, where are you? It's in my calendar now. So first thing, add Jesus to your calendar. Then, secondly, gradually grow how much time you give to God. We can't all start with some, you know, massive two-hour time slot or something. You might just start by saying, I'm going to give 15 minutes because that's all I, I feel grace for right now. But I don't want to be stuck just in that, in that frame of mind. I want to grow. So next week, I want to give 20 minutes to God. The next week, I want to give 25 minutes, maybe 30, maybe 40, maybe 50, maybe an hour eventually. But you start and you grow incrementally so that you can succeed. Why set yourself up for failure by setting the bar this high? High jumpers start low and they move the bar higher as they grow, as they get better. And so I encourage you to not just be satisfied with how you start, but to be willing to gradually grow how much time you spend praying and reading God's word and just journaling what he says to you. And then thirdly, 
as you do this, as you add him to your calendar, and as you gradually grow how much time you're devoting to spending time with God, ask Jesus this question. And you may not ask him this every day, but I encourage you to ask it at the beginning of 2024 as we begin this new year. Jesus, what character trait, because I want to grow in character, grow in holiness, grow more surrendered to Jesus, what character trait do you want to help me grow in this year? What character trait do you want to help me grow in this year? Ask him that. He'll speak to you. He'll put a thought in your mind. And it's an important question to be asking because if we're not intentional about these things, we just drift. If we're not intentional about growing in God, we'll just kind of, kind of drift through life not really growing. We have to be intentional. So that's why we add it to our calendar. That's why we increase how much time as God gives us grace. And that's why we ask him, Lord, how do you want to help me grow? My area, the area that I struggle with the most is worry and just a struggle to trust God in the midst of difficult circumstances. Oh, I can trust God really well when everything's going well. I, I can trust God when things are going smoothly. But when things start getting rocky, I start getting anxious. So I, I not only pray about that, I memorized a verse about that. In fact, I've memorized more than one verse, but one of them in particular, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's a rock who doesn't move, and I can hang on to him when things are unstable. I need to remember that when I get anxious. So I quote verses like that. And it's a way to grow in character, to grow in holiness. Lastly, God is merciful. Mary was probably paraphrasing Psalm 103 when she wrote that, or when she said that. Because David had said, Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. But King David wrote, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. So generation to generation, children's children, steadfast love, his mercy. There's a parallel between those two passages. The problem is things get lost in translation. David was writing in Hebrew. Mary was speaking in Aramaic. Luke was quoting Mary in Greek. We have an English translation. It's a, things get lost in translation when you get that many languages involved. But it's important to see that as Mary paraphrases David, David was using a really good word for love. The steadfast love he's mentioned is the word hesed. It's a Hebrew word hesed. And actually there's no adequate English translation for the word hesed. It just doesn't exist. Translations have come up with words like steadfast love, loving kindness, unfailing love, faithful love, mercy, kindness. Well, at its essence, I define hesed as a love that isn't deserved and that never ends and that is always put into action. That is hesed. And that's what Mary was proclaiming as she proclaimed God's mercy. This is available to every age, every generation, every person. 
who chooses to follow him. Now Mary said those who fear him. I just said those who follow him. And that's because I consider the two the same. When somebody follows somebody, it means they're surrendering their will to his will. When I surrender God, I'm surrendering my will to God's will. And that is an expression of the fear of God. So as we follow God, his mercy is on us. That's what following Jesus is all about. It's about surrendering our will to him, which can be, seem a little scary unless we know how much God loves us. When we know that his love isn't deserved and never ends and is always put into action, we can safely submit our lives to his will and know that we're in good hands. Why wouldn't we want to do that in 2024? Why wouldn't we want to be surrendered to a God who loves us that much? Do you know the first word I typically use when describing to people what's going on at Gateway East? Maybe you've heard me say it. Kindness. God has been very kind to us. I want to prophesy over you. God wants to be very kind to you in 2024. What Jeannie shared was an expression of the kindness of God. The fact that you found your, your way to Gateway East is an expression of the kindness of God. Not just to you, but to me and to one another. We're all being blessed by one another in this place. And so God's kindness is being expressed to each one of us as he draws people to Gateway East. And he will continue to do so, not just for us as a community of people, but for each one of us individually. And we can know how much Jesus loved us and how kind he is by what he did for us on the cross. When he died for us, he didn't just come to show us a good example by what he said. He came to show us the love of the Father by how he died for us. And when he died to take the penalty we deserved upon himself so that we wouldn't have to be punished for our sin and we could be forgiven and start a new life with God, that act of love proves to us that we can trust God in 2024. His kindness is everlasting, never ending, isn't deserved, always put into action. So would you like to receive that love today? I encourage you as you start 2024 to start 2024 focused on how mighty God is how mighty he is and how able he is to do a new thing in your life. I want to be focused on the holiness of God and how he wants to help us to grow in character, to grow more surrendered to him. And I want to start 2024 focused on his mercy and on his love. Because his love for you and for me isn't deserved. It never ends. And throughout 2024, it will always be put into action. He wants to express his love in action to you this year. So are you facing a difficult situation in your life for which you need a mighty God? He's available. Focus on him. Are there character traits you're struggling with where you feel you need God's help to change in those characters, areas of character in your life? Well, you serve a holy God who wants to help you. Or if you're struggling to believe he loves you, let's just look at the manger scene and look at the cross and know that 
a God who does that must surely love us. Father, I pray that you would fill each one here with a conviction regarding these three things Mary proclaimed. Father, I thank you for that proclamation of how good you are, of how much you love us. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him, those who follow him, submitted and surrendered from generation to generation. Lord, we receive all that you have for us in 2024. Would you help us to be focused on you and how mighty, how holy, and how merciful you are throughout this year? In Jesus' name, amen.